This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. And I am Desi. And we are here today, and there is no Murdoch because Murdoch is cleaning outside the church. So he's here. He's just not sitting in the room with us. But we're here, and we're going to talk about why am I a Christian. So introduce yourself to the audience, talk a little bit about yourself, and and then we'll get rolling into this. Well, uh, my name is Desiree, and I've been going to this church since August of 2016. And... um. Like, I was born and raised a Christian, but like many people, I am a prodigal. I walked away from the faith, and of course, I had my reasons. I'm sure we'll get into some of them at some point in the conversation. But I've been going here faithfully, like I said, since 2016, and I love this church. Uh, I love being a part of it. I'm a member of Celebrate Recovery, and that is an amazing ministry. Uh, We help people. We've merged like the 12-step recovery with Jesus Christ as the higher power. And it's not just for people that have uh, problems with alcoholism or problems with drugs. It's something that helps anybody with any hurt habit or hang up. I've heard of people celebrating clean time from cussing. I've heard of people celebrating clean time from bouts of anger. Anger management can be... Can we get a chip for that? You can get a chip for that. You can... Any hurt habit or hang up... Uh, I just qualifies. want the chip, so I'm going to be like, hey, Dewey, I haven't cussed in like forever. Can I have one? <laughs> yes, do it. Dewey can get you one. Oh, that's um, cool. They might even be in this room somewhere, but I'm not sure. So yeah, and being a part of that has been a blessing in my life, and it, it's changed a lot of things about me. You know, we all struggle with sin, and I am a sinner, and I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So um, also, I have two children. I have a 23-year-old and a 12-year-old. Both are girls. And they are amazing. I'm not sure what else to say about myself. <laughs> you talked about it uh, uh, being a prodigal, right? And I always find that interesting because most people, uh, for me, when people talk about the prodigal son, like I, I kind of, same beginning story. I grew up in church, went to church my whole life as a kid. But I wasn't, in that prodigal son story, there's the prodigal son who walked away and did the wild living. And then there's the older brother who just stayed there, did what he was supposed to do, and then ended up getting bitter and hurt. And when I talk about that story, I relate more to that. And so I always find when there's, there's two people in that equation, and God and Jesus, as he's telling this story, is like relating to, to both aspects of it, that you can be the son who goes out and does all the craziness, but then you can be also the son who, who stays at home and is working for the kingdom and is doing the right thing, but in it seeing everything else and comparing yourself to this and that and allowing yourself to kind of step into bitterness. So that's more of how, uh, what I struggled with in, in my own life. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's really good. Let's get into this then, because I know you've got a lot to share and I've heard your testimony before. This is how, when me and Murdoch were talking about who should we get on the show this season, uh, we'd both sat outside when you gave your testimony during the summer and we're like, Desiree, like, let's get her on the show. Let's have her share because it was such a cool story. So growing up a Christian, right, you then kind of stepped away. What led you back to Christianity? I think it's important to also look at like what led me away from Christianity. 
because they're one and the same thing, you know? I think that that anytime we become a Christian, whether we become a Christian when we were young or whether we become a Christian when we were older, that the minute that we really start believing in the faith and and trying to follow God with our own our whole heart, you know, like we're supposed to, that there's going to be plans to drag us away. And so I remember being like, I believed, believed. I wasn't just a child that was raised in church that was taught these things. Like I believed, believed. I remember my sister having some friends over and like, I don't know what they were doing, but I could feel it. Like they were doing something wrong. And I was just like, I'm going to go outside and listen to this Christian tape that my aunt gave me (laughs) on the patio. Like, I don't even want to be in the house with you guys. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I, I believed in God with my whole heart and I followed God with my whole heart. But there's always those plans, right? And the disappointments that come along. And what has led me back was, um, was just hearing the word again. You know, I tried so many ways to live my life. And so I had a connection with God. But my connection with God when I was younger was, was obviously new. And when we're new, it can be easily mess withable. I don't know what a good word is mm-hmm. to describe that. but. But yeah, life happens. And I and I see it with newer Christians that don't become Christians till they're adults. Like something bad will happen and they'll be derailed and it will get them away from God and they'll blame God for the sin of man, you know? So things happened to me when I was younger that um, had nothing to do with God. You know, we are sinful by nature. And just like God can use every hurt to develop us and develop character, there is that equal and opposite. And the Satan, Satan used those hurts to develop me in a different direction. I like how you brought that up. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I really like, as I kind of phrase the question, what led you to Christianity? The what led you away from Christianity is, is the beginning of it. And one thing that you mentioned, and, and it's, I think it's the truth for everyone where you're talking about, we get disappointed quickly. Because I think people come to Christianity or come to Christ, and, and we could even say, stop saying like Christianity, but come to a relationship with God and we think that that's going to lead to the perfect life, that that's going to lead to my problems are solved, everything is going to be great from here on out. But without fully understanding what that really means is like when you share life with Christ, you also share in the suffering with Christ. So you, there are going to be times when we go through stuff that, that isn't great. And, and like you're saying, like we are, we're all sinners and we live among sinners. So we then turn and say like, oh, God, that was your fault. But really it was just... Someone's sin kind of domino affected into your own life. We live in a fallen world. And I think in, I think it's in the last chapter of Ephesians or it's somewhere in Ephesians that says, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but the, you know, the powers and the principalities. And I'm, I'm horrible at quoting scripture word for word. So but I don't worry the about the meaning it. of it. Mm-hmm. Like we're fighting against things that are beyond us and um, so, you know, at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, I was fighting against things that were beyond us and I got led astray. Um, and that led me to a lot of different things. And I was searching, I was searching for a spiritual answer to, to fill the God shaped hole in the middle of me. And I spent a lot of times like the prodigal son trying to fill that hole with things outside of me, not realizing the whole time, like I had Christ within me. And he was the only thing that I needed to fill that hole with. So I, I remember I, I went to jail and that was a spiritual experience. Um, 
There are many ways we can have spiritual experience. I promise you handcuffs are definitely one of them. And uh, being in the courtroom and that judge saying some things, that's definitely, it's definitely a spirit. It affects my spirit. Therefore, it is spiritual. And the first time I went to jail, uh, I wasn't there for very long. And I'm not talking about like getting arrested and then getting released, but I'm talking about actually going and getting processed over at the county jail in Linwood. Um, I met... A lady, her name is Chaplain Sandra Evans, and she is the head chaplain over there. And she was talking about the Bible, and she was talking about uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, follow him in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths. And that was my first memory verse in jail, and I got a full Bible, not just the cheap little ones, but a full Bible for having memorize that but she also was talking about this verse in um in psalms and it's uh delight in me and i will give you the desires of your heart and i knew instinctually i knew instinctually that that in that verse that she wasn't saying like you were talking about the gospel of prosperity she wasn't saying you know delight in god and i will give you everything you want in this world i will give you a mansion and the man and the muscles on the man and all those good things that we think that we want and like my face is never going to get wrinkles and i'm going to be skinny and beautiful like none of that stuff like that's not what this is about but it was going to make my heart want the right things and I had a problem with my heart not wanting the right things, with my heart wanting things that did not serve me and did not serve the people around me. And they served no purpose but instantaneous gratification. And they always left me more empty than before. And, and like I needed that to change. So why Christianity? You know, what led me to Christianity was I needed that to change. I needed to hear those specific two scriptures together and know that I... I needed a new path in life and perhaps, perhaps I should try Jesus again. Perhaps the Bible <laughs> says that, you know, my heart doesn't want the right things and, you know, Jesus Christ can help my heart want the right things again. And wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if I could only want what was good for me? Mm-hmm. And that's what led me back to Christ is the realization that what I want for me is horrible. Mm. And I needed to want something better. That's a really good point. Uh, I don't know. Were you here when I spoke a few weeks ago? I don't know. The Psalms 23? No, I don't think I heard that one. Okay, so you'll be hearing this for the first time uh, then. But in Psalms 23, when we talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, uh, really what we're coming down to this idea of that, like, God is all I want. And what he gives me, I should be satisfied in. And I should just find content in who he is, my being, being in his presence, yada, 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 go through the rest of the Psalms and all that stuff. But I read a book during my study and prep time for speaking by a guy named Philip Keller, and it was a shepherd's guide to Psalms 23. So he was an actual shepherd in South Africa. And so he gave the perspective of being a shepherd and then looking at that verse and understanding it, that passage so much deeper. And he had talked about in the book about a sheep that he had that was beautiful. She was the best sheep. She produced the best lambs or ewes or whatever you want to call them and she was just amazing but she had a problem she was a fence grazer she would always graze along the fence trying to escape out to see what's on the other side of the fence and he was like my pasture was the best pasture in the land she had everything she wanted here but she constantly kept going over to the other side and he said the that wouldn't have been a problem if she just did it 
But then she started teaching other sheep how to do it, and her baby started doing it. And so eventually he had to, you know, for lack of a better term, execute that sheep. But what he said to, to, to wrap it all together is that that's how a lot of us are as Christians, we, or, or as people. We have everything that God's given us, and we can sit in contentment of it. But for some odd reason, and like you were saying, that, that you weren't even satisfied with what you were doing, but you wanted something that was just going to gratify you at that moment and satisfy that moment. And then afterwards, you realize, like, ah, that, that didn't fix the problem. We do that so much in our own lives with so many other things. And, and I mean, there's a list of vices we can name off. The Bible has a bunch of them, too. But we try to fill or replace God with these other things. And then it isn't to that point. And like, you know, you're sharing a story of kind of prison being a rock bottom. But it, it's weird that we get to that point where all we can do instead of looking further down is up. And like for myself personally, like I said, growing up in church, it wasn't until like, I guess for me, my problem was growing up in church, you, you show that you had the perfect life. And then being a pastor, you had to convey that you were the perfect presentation of God and his gospel. And it, it wasn't until I realized that I couldn't live with the hypocrisy of who I was anymore. Absolutely. Like I am a horrible human being. For the most part, I'm a jerk. I'm very dry and sarcastic, and sometimes I really mean that mean thing that I say, and I'm just like smiling in the background because I'm like, if I smile, everyone thinks I don't mean it, but I'm like, I, I really mean it. I wasn't joking. Yeah. Yes, I wasn't joking. <laughs> and I think sometimes I seen uh, one guy on Facebook, which I, I was watching him because he had an amazing Irish accent, but he was talking about God, and this was actually during my addiction when I was doing some spiritual, like everything just kept leading me back to Christianity, back to Christianity. And I think his name was Peter Rollins. And he was doing this thing called the idolry of God, where we can create like these images, whether it's a pastor and they have to, we have to hold them up to this perfect standard. You have to be the perfect Christian. Mm -hmm. What is a Christian anyway? Like, does it Christians pro-life and a, a Christian votes Republican and a Christian does this and a Christian, they're like this thing. And I'm like, you know, maybe I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Maybe I just want to be a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, because followers of Christ are like Peter who denied God three times or, you know, they, they just have these problems. Like followers of Christ are like Noah who got drunk. I'm thinking he's the one with the drinking problem or Moses who, who was like, no, God, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. And then finally did it. But it was like, you need to send me help. You know, like I'm going to make demands of God. If you want me to do this, God, you need to provide me these things first. And how many times do we do that as Christians? So mm. followers of Christ are allowed to be these imperfect messes. That's why we need him. Yeah. Like that's why we need him. And I am an imperfect mess. I'm an absolute basket case some days of the week. And um, some days I do okay, uh, but I still need Christ on those days, you know, <laughs> all the days. Those are really great points too, because they're such good illustrations. And I think we get caught up. And I was talking to Justine about this the other day. I think we were driving back from Arizona. We went to the Grand Canyon for vacation. So that's a long drive. The kids were asleep. And have, have you spent much time with Justine? No, I haven't. Okay, so she just won't stop talking. Like, she, she'll just keep going. So I try to find conversations that at least I could participate in. And we were talking about that concept of, like, uh, uh, more about myself. That when, when I hit that rock bottom, it wasn't that, like, I went out and did drugs and did a bunch of other stuff. I was just a cesspool of hypocrisy. I was telling people at the pulpit, you got to read your Bible every day. And I hadn't done it in 
almost a year. I was telling people you have to pray and have this strong relationship with God and just have faith and believe. And I, I had none of that. And, and so what got to me was kind of what you're saying that I looked at Paul and I was like, Paul is this super Christian who's going out and doing all these great things, but also forgetting what he wrote in Romans 7. What I want to do, I do not do. And what I do, I do not want to do. But I put him on this pedestal and said, I could achieve that also. I could achieve that perfection. And it wasn't until I realized and really started looking at the Bible and you see the people God used and they're just a mess. Like they're all train wrecks. They're all just gong shows of people who who are messed up. You named a few, but then there's David who was an adulterer and he's a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't until I guess I reached that level of, I can't go any lower in this. I really now need to depend on God. That kind of made me come back to him. And it made me, for myself, kind of answering the question, it was, I had to learn to love him. And I don't think, because I think you mentioned it, we create kind of idols. Yes. And I had created a false God. And I had been worshiping a false God, that, that a God that if I didn't live perfectly would punish me. And I would just accept that punishment. But I had to learn to love God for who he really is and understand that in my imperfections, that's, that's where he's going to start using me. And it allowed me to be more open. Like I, I talk about my social anxieties. I talk about my depression. I talk about my anger issues. And all of these are habits, hurts, and what's the other one? Hangups. Hangups. And, and that's what I loved about when I heard CR here. It wasn't presented as, oh, if you've abused alcohol or drugs, you need to come here. It was like, no, if, do you struggle? Because you need to come here. And that's, I think that's what the church really is. It, it's a hospital full of patients. Mm-hmm. We're the strugglers. Right. And I think sometimes we get confused with the concept of like, oh, because I've been here long enough, now I'm a nurse or a doctor. No. No. Yeah. We're all just strugglers. So that, that was kind of my, my tell. And do you have any more leading to that or did you want, do you want to move on to the next? Well, actually, what the point you brought up was something that I, I wanted to talk about, you know, is, is that John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And it's our idea of what abundance means that I think can lead us astray, you know, because we sometimes we look at, at this life and this abundance and we want this abundance of perfection. But it's it's through our, our mistakes and where my abundance comes into play is when I'm able to to talk to somebody who's new, whether they're new in Christianity or new in recovery. And, and they tell me something, you know, they tell me something the secret that causes them shame. And I'm able to look in them in the eye and say, you know what? Me too. Mm -hmm. And this is my story. And then they're like, oh my gosh, me too. And then you have that conversation and all of a sudden you have somebody who is able to peel back layers and become vulnerable and create that spiritual connection. And when we create spiritual connection with each other, then we are, we learn. Some people are so disconnected. They don't even know what it feels like anymore to be spiritually connected. When we open that up and create that opportunity to create spiritual connection with two human beings, it reminds them of what spiritual connection is supposed to feel like. And then they start recognizing their spiritual connection with God. Hmm. At least that's what I think. And that's where the abundance comes in. That's where the fulfillment comes in. It's not steak dinners and, um, and big bank accounts. It's, it's um, having that connection with other people. And just feeling less alone in this world, which can be very lonely because we don't have that perfect communion with God like Jesus did. It's available to us. We're just, we're the ones that mess it up. 
I think too with the world, a lot of people outside of the church they get they don't come because of like the the number one reason why people don't come to church is Christians, and they look at them with like oh you're all hypocrites and you're all full of and judgmental and then without realizing that the the answer to that is yes yes we yeah, are we all are we are hypocrites but it's not that we're we're not intentionally trying most of the time. It's just that nature of sin that's still in there and that it still comes out and it still presents itself, sometimes very ugly, sometimes not ugly, but subtle, but it's still there. And, and I think for me, again, for anyone who's listening, if, if you're on the fence about like the church and what to come, I think you bring up a good point is that when the church is honest and bare and exposes itself for, for what we are, when everyone can take off that mask of yeah. perfection— when I came to church and I was able to finally take off my mask of perfection, it was so relieving. It's so relieving to sit there and share with someone who's, who's talking about depression. You're like, oh, me too. Mm-hmm. And look at me. You think I have it all together. And from the outskirts, it could look like I'm a capable, well-functioning human being. But no, or I, I have social anxiety. But I could go and stand up on that stage and speak and be totally fine. Because it's not me, it's God. But then we build that connection of them saying, oh, me too, me too. And it becomes a place of a, a gathering of support and love and, and, and judgmentalness is, it falls away. And if you can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. If you have those things, I had a girl one time in my car and we were riding to a meeting and I started, I'm bipolar. And um, that's something I'm pretty open about, like people know about it. And I, I was talking about something in the middle of whatever I was saying. She was like, you really do have episodes. Like being open about it. I'm sure I'd mentioned it to her before, but it was in that moment where I'm describing in detail some of the feelings and things I go through like that. Rec- she related and she was like, oh, my gosh. And there was that if you can do it, I can do it mm-hmm. scenario because it, it, the path is not easy. The path is difficult. It's just rewarding. And it's rewarding in a way that just can't be described to somebody who doesn't know. But somebody that may be listening that needs those kinds of spiritual rewards might understand and it might look attractive to them because that's what looked attractive to me is I needed that spiritual, I needed to be fed spiritually and Mm -hmm. I I was spiritually dead. All right, we're going to take our break and then we'll come back and we'll try to get into those next two questions. Okay. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by The ABCs of Christianity. A. Admit. B. Believe. And C. Confess. The ABCs of Christianity. Your one-way ticket to a relationship with Jesus. All right, we are back from that small break. So we're talking about a lot of stuff going in here on why, what led us individually back to Christianity or back into a relationship with Christ. Ultimately, though, there's, there's tons of religions out there. There's tons of things we could go to to seek inner peace, right? At least what the world has to offer. Why then, why Christianity? Well, I actually, this question is very personal. I mean, it should be personal to anybody. If it's not personal <laughs> to you, check yourself. I'm not saying there's something wrong. I'm just saying you might want to check on that. But like I said, I grew up and a Pentecostal church, and I was led away. So at some point, like I started searching for a spiritual solution to my spiritual malady. And in those searches, I read about different religions. Um, I read about things like the Hindus got this uh, concept of Maya, and Maya is the illusion. And in reality, 
there's some truth in every single religion. That's the draw. Like I didn't read about any religion, whether it was paganism, Hinduism, uh, the Toltec, Taoism. Like I read about many different things, the Gnostic Christians and the, the things found in the jars in that desert that I can't pronounce its name. But like I read of all these things and found these like hidden truths in all of them. But everything that I read and everything that I searched like kept leading me like back to Christ. Like I, I read this book called The Power of Now and it was an amazing book. And it talked about the, the spiritual masters and it, it named Jesus Christ as one of the spiritual masters. And um, there was even some Bible quoted in that book, even though it was very new agey. I'm not recommending you put that on your Christian reading list. I'm actually recommending that you maybe don't. But uh, very new agey stuff in there. But when I would read the word of God, like the word of God doesn't come back void. And when I was reading about Gnostic Christianity, um, uh, one of the books is the Gospel of Thomas, which mm -hmm. is not in the Bible. Um, but it's very similar to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to the point that I don't really, I, like, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know why it's not in the Bible because it's just very similar. So, like, I was reading, I got my real Bible out and was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John while I was reading Thomas. Like, I read them together and kind of compared, like, these are different accounts of the same situation. So I kept getting steered back to Christianity and I noticed that my life was better when I was seeking God. You know, we seek God. I wish I could quote scripture better and tell you where it says it, but like, seek me with all your heart and all your might and all your soul. You know, there's just these scriptures that tell us that that's what we have to do. We have to seek him with our whole hearts. And I felt more spiritually fulfilled, but I didn't, I was too angry at God to go back to that God at the time. So I had to keep falling farther and farther and farther down into the insanity of, of whatever you want to call I was doing when I was being a prodigal until I finally was stripped away of all of that and able to stop being angry at God for things that God didn't do. And I've talked to a lot of people in recovery who, who have a, that similar experience like of being angry at God and having that anger as a block to, to stop us and push us away. But Christianity, because it works, you know? I mean, of course, let me go back. There, there's the, the doctrine. There's the gospel, the good news. You know, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And he led a sinless life. He died for my sins on the cross. And by doing that, like it, my sins are paid for. Like that's a good read. That's why that's the textbook answer to why Christianity. But see, I'm selfish and I'm self-seeking and I'm self-serving. And if it didn't work in my life today, then I probably wouldn't be a Christian. But it works in my life today. And, and the proof is in who I am and who I can become and the amount of spiritual fulfillment that I, I carry with me on most days. And I feel better following Christ. There's a lot in there. I like when you talked about, because for me personally, I never went down any other rabbit hole religion. Like it was, I'm a Christian. I'm a selfish Christian. I'm a hypocrite. And now I'm in turmoil. What do I need to do? I'm going to look back to the one thing that, that actually felt good when I was doing it the right way. I'm going to turn back to God. So I never had that experience of like looking into other religions, looking into this and that. But, but to hear a lot of people who do talk about it, they say a very common thing. There's, there's essence of truth in them, but they're not the truth. And I think that's how a lot of people can get deceived with seeking after something else. Because 
we're all created to to long to serve and and to want a relationship with God. It's in us, whether people want to deny it or say it's not there. There's an innate nature in us that wants a relationship with our creator. We were designed for that purpose to have a relationship with him. And it's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. But when we go seeking out what the world and what the devil does is with deception and truth. Anytime you see an encounter with the devil in the Bible, he quotes scripture or he says what God says. But there's a slight twist to it, right? He just puts a little, a little notch of not the truth. And we don't get deceived if we know that's not true. Like, Reed loves to, uh, to scare people, but he's a terrible hider. So we'll walk into his room, and he'll, as soon as he sees me walking, he goes and runs and hides. And I walk in there, and he goes, boo. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't get me because I can see you. I can see in plain sight. But what the devil does is he doesn't hide in plain, plain sight. The deception is subtle. The counterfeit is so close to being real that you can't see that it's a counterfeit. And I, and I think that's where a lot of people get caught up with and why they kind of go other routes. But with Christianity, with the Bible, and, and I think you said it, was, it doesn't come back void. It's the truth. And when we do look at the simplicity of it, like, yes, gospel saved relationship with God, that is the best answer to have. Why, my, why Christianity? Because it allows me to have a relationship with that creator. But in that, it, it's... In that relationship with the creator, you find out who he is and you find out what truth is. And, yes. and I think that's the big aspect for me. Well, the minute you put a piece, okay, like let's say the truth was a puzzle, right? Thousand piece puzzle. The minute you put a piece in it that doesn't belong there or you take a piece out of the puzzle, the puzzle's no longer complete. It's no longer the truth anymore. You know, the truth by very essence no matter how big or small the truth, has to be 100% the truth to remain the truth. And the best lies are told with these elements of the truth. For example, like there's the, the law of attraction. That's something I read a lot about. And there's like a book that Oprah recommended. It's called The Secret. And that whole thing, that whole law of attraction thing is based on some scriptures, in my opinion, that it's in um, Philippians. Mm. Philippians chapter four. Let's see if I can find it really quick. Okay, so the law of attraction is like basically you think happy thoughts and you can manifest. You are God. Right. You can manifest anything and bring it to you. Well, in Philippians chapter four, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any evident excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's Philippians 4, 8. And I I think that's what it's telling us, like the law of attraction is, is to think about good things and good things will come to you. There's truth in that. It's in the Bible. But the fact of the matter is they teach that one scripture mm -hmm. in a way that makes like I'm manifesting these good things. Well, I'm not God. You know, principle one in Celebrate Recovery, oh my gosh, thank God for principle one, is realize I'm not God. That saves me from so many codependent behaviors. When I think about things that are good, I'm able to see what is good in this world and I'm able to recognize what is good and what is excellent, what is honorable and what is true. But I am not the creator of what is good, what is excellent, what is honorable and what is true. Like I'm rewarded by my heavenly father for these things. So no matter like all these different offshoots of... of of religion that have these shreds of truth in them, these beautiful shreds of truth. They're not the whole truth. Like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it, it was only when I applied 
wholeheartedly Christianity to my life that I noticed a change in myself and I I stopped finding myself spiritually empty because even before the even before like the drugs and and the homelessness and all that stuff I got lost in other things throughout my 20s like I was building this career right and like I had very little college education my good enough diploma my GED good enough diploma. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Thank and, you. I didn't, I didn't get that. <laughs> yes. Sorry. But I was able to work my way up into this multi-million dollar a month pharmacy management company in Newport Beach, Back Bay area, the equestrian area, not the coastal area. So very nice area, multi-million dollars a month. We were distributing money to doctors every month. So I had this like career and I had chased money. I had chased success. I I had chased that thinking that like I'm the manager and I'm putting out more than 500 financial statements and we're automating processes and reducing staff as we're growing and all of these, no fulfillment. There was no fulfillment in that stuff. But the fulfillment comes when Christ is in it. And that so in this life, it has been the only thing that's been able to fulfill me for more than a moment, been able to heal me for more than a moment. Everything else, the price is greater than the relief that comes with it. That's such a good point. I really like that. We chase after so much, so many things and after so much that give us moment satisfactions. And when, when God is saying and what Jesus is saying is like, here I am. I could give you a lifetime of that moment. I could give you a lifetime of satisfactions. You just have to do one thing. I, I, when we went over the Sermon on the Mount with our first season of the podcast, we we jumped in and we did the Beatitudes and we kind of went through it and you know, for an hour long conversation, we had to run through the Beatitudes pretty quickly. And it wasn't until we actually started going through the Sermon on the Mount that I started noticing this trend that what Jesus was saying is like, hey, you've got to live alternative culture. I am giving you new standards to live by. And and then I went back to one of the Beatitudes. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in that, what Jesus is saying is like all the things that we we you want in life are good, but if you want to be happy, because we're, we look at that term blessed and we know that it means happy. If you want that satisfaction, if you want that joy, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seek after those things. Seek after God in that relationship with him and you will find satisfaction. You'll find happiness and you'll find all those things that you thought worldly pleasures. And I like you brought up that before you got into the other, other stuff to fill that void, like money was that void that you're trying or you're trying to fill that void with money. Because we, we can get caught up when we think of like people who do things wrong is just this list. But what we try to fill the God void in our life is almost everything. It could be mm-hmm. materialism. It could be another person. It could be a relationship. It could be your status as how people view you like mine. It was status. It can be anything. We try to put, like you were saying, that puzzle. We try to just like mash it all together and like, look at it. This is right. And God's like, no, you're way off It's a mark. masterpiece. Yes. It's just abstract art. Yes, it's you know? just abstract. <laughs> and, and what God is telling us is that you actually find real satisfaction when you, when you try to pursue a relationship with me. And that satisfaction doesn't go away when life gets crappy. That satisfaction doesn't go away when everything's falling apart. You still have that joy and that satisfaction in you because you know that even though all that stuff is happening, I'm here alongside you and I could take you and walk you through that. So it is, it's a grand question, like why Christianity, why this? But ultimately for for me, it is that 
and I I heard what you were saying, and I don't know if you meant it this way, but for me, it was the only place I found completeness. Yes. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, and of course, not completely complete, not forever complete, because that won't happen until I'm taken up with Christ, you know, and I'm actually taken up with Christ and, and I raise again with him. But there's moments of it and glimpses of it and uh, far more complete than I would ever be without him in this world. You know, there's some there's some heroes that I see walking through troubled times that still have that contentment. And in Christ. And in fact, sometimes more so than before their struggles. Like I have, I've mentioned uh, talking right before we started recording about a friend that I have that has terminal cancer. And in that, like that's horrible news, right? Like that's horrible news. And why God? But at the, at the other side of that, why God? She has watched God come through time and time and time and time and time again. And what's come out the other side is a woman who is so much more secure in her faith, who knows that God has her no matter what. Even when there's no money in the bank, she doesn't freak out like she used to. She knows, you know what? He's going to provide because he's been providing. And then somebody shows up at her door with groceries, unexpected. Watching on the sidelines, somebody go through that kind of struggle and that kind of horrible news. And I'm trying not to be too emotional because my voice will start cracking, but it's an amazing experience to watch somebody walk through that kind of struggle and continue to walk in it, continue to walk in it and continue to strengthen her relationship with Christ and become more solid than she was before. It's just amazing to me. Like I want, I want that kind of faith. Do I want to pay that kind of price for that kind of faith? No, <laughs> but I want that kind of faith in my life. And it's beautiful to see. I want to be like her when I grow up. I've been really into the Psalms. It reminded me of this verse. And Psalms chapter one is, Oh, the joy for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around the sinners or join in with mockers, but delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like a tree planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. That is a... Psalm that she actually said reminded her of me. Oh, really? Like a tree planted by the that particular verse, like a tree planted by the. I'm gonna start crying right now because she, I think, put it on a coin for me, and I, I'm not sure. I think the coin's in my other purse, but I that is like the first psalm or the third verse of the first psalm, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's amazing. That's God, like the second time that's happened with us. God is funny. God well, I remember is, when you did the the video, and it was like that's my life verse, and I was like. Random chance. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm going with this was uh, was that prosper part. And I think a lot of times we get caught up with the idea of prosperity in the way the world says it. Mm -hmm. And we don't actually look at what prosperity means in the Bible. Like how can someone who's got terminal cancer have a happy, fulfilled life? And how can they look like they're prosperous? Well, they're, they're prosperous because they have a deep faith in God. And when we take out the lens of the world, you, you, we both have glasses on. So you've done the eye testing. Yes. And like they, how's this look? All right. How's this look? A little better. And you're going through it and then you find like, that's it. I can see perfectly now. Removing those lenses of like fogginess of what the world tells us prosperity is. When we could actually look and see what prosperity is or what it means in the biblical standards. It's not wealth. It's not finances. It's not having it all. But it's prospering in your relationship with God. And so if you're a tree that's planted along the water 
your leaves never wither. You prosper in all they do because you're prospering, growing your, your roots deep into God and you're prospering in that relationship with him. And I think if we take off that lens and we really start looking at it that way, we understand why. And I can have that deeper faith and I can trust God in my life now because I've planted myself in it and I'm, and I'm looking to pursue him more than anything else. It was one of those things where you get up and you talk and a bunch of people showed up that night and like that's a scary thing, right? And uh, I'm going through the Beatitudes and even um, the manager at my work showed up with his wife. He's, he's a Christian and they're not actively participating in a church right now, but he used to be a youth ministry leader and I, I've invited them to celebrate recovery before and, and they actually showed up this one time. And like what I was talking about was all of the Beatitudes and blessed is this and blessed is that and blessed is this and blessed is that. And really what the question is, who does God call blessed? What does God call prosperous? What does God call blessed? We know what we call blessed, but what does God call it? And my favorite beatitude is uh, blessed are those who mourn because it reminds me that I need to die to self. And I really think that that's, that's the point. You know, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Well, who's got to die? It's not saying blessed if your parents die or blessed if your kids die. You know, it's what are we really mourning for? And for me, it's the death of self. It's the death of that self-seeking, self-centered nature that I have within me that I can't seem to get rid of. It's when that dies, that's when I'm blessed and I need to live in that. But what's crazy is that when I, when I start walking away from that, because, you know, none of us are perfect. And, and when I start seeing things through the eyes of the world, things stop going my way. Things stop going my way um, in the physical world. Things stop going my way spiritually. And I'm like, okay, what am I missing? Like, am I reading my Bible enough? Am I in the word? Not just reading it because I have to, mm -hmm. but am I really in the word seeking to understand? It's better to seek to understand one scripture than to read five chapters because you feel like you have to, you know? So am I in the word like that, seeking to understand it? Well, you know, like I have my little Christian checklist. When things don't feel right and they don't look right, you know, then I know that probably there's something missing on this checklist. Probably there's something I'm not doing. So it's the same self-seeking nature that drags me away that also brings me back because I want to be spiritually fulfilled and I want to be happy and I want to feel good and I want to have energy and I want to have that power of the Holy Spirit behind me because I'm selfish, but that also is what brings me back to God to live selflessly, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to chop up some of this. So for people listening, we had someone walk in. So I took a pause and a break in the middle of a sentence I think I was in. And, uh, and then we started going back into it. But uh, it does make sense everything you're saying that I guess the way I want to phrase it for myself is that because you're talking about like how things go you notice how life gets different when you're not really in that relationship with God and for me what it is is that I don't find fulfillment in anything else when I'm not in a great standing relationship with God and not to say that that means I'm reading my Bible every day or that I'm living the perfect life because I've, I've definitely learned to shed that out of, out of me as much as I can. But it's that no matter what I'm going through, I feel this, this joy or presence or peace. And for someone who deals with anger, who deals with depression, really what I'm trying to find is peace. And I spent a long time, like the world tells you, go out and find peace. Like you got to search for peace, to search for peace. 
And then I realized that Jesus was like, it's part of everything I'm giving you. It's a gift. You just got to receive it. And once I learned to receive it, then, yeah, a lot of things started changing. But in my relationship with Christ, why am I still a Christian today? It's because it's where I am at the most at peace. And the world could be falling apart around me. And things have happened since, you know, kind of coming back and serving God again. But I, I know now that that all could happen and I could still be okay because he's with me. And I think for me, it's become the, I've got to remove, I've got to get out of my way and stop looking after what I want and what I need and just find contentment with who he is. And when I do that, then it all makes sense. You know, it just all falls into place. And and like you were saying, like mourning and is this right or is that right? And, And I think that's what holds a lot of people back from Christianity or from a relationship with God is, well, if. If God is there, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why is this there? And and for me, like I had my cousin pass away. He was younger. And that was a big blow to me because he was like my best friend. He was my, he was my little brother. And when he passed away, it, it wasn't right. I didn't feel like it was right. And Pastor Zachariah gave a message that probably it had to be like almost a year after he had passed away. And he And for me, that was always that burning like why, right? And he said, even if God told you why, would it change anything? And I sat there. That hit me. That was like the the thing I needed to hear to, to get that fixed. And since then, that's helped me with anything. Like, why are we going through this? Why are we having this financial issue? Why are we having this problem with, with the kids? Why is our marriage kind of at a point where, it's, where we're getting frustrated with each other again? Well, if I told you why, would it even change what's going on? Would it change how you reacted? Would it change the situation? No. Okay, then. Try to just find me in that. And and that's where I've kind of learned that if I find him, if I find rest in him, then I don't need the why. I don't need anything else because I've got the one thing I needed the most, and that was my relationship with God. A why is something that can be an idol. Yeah. Um, I used to call myself a why person, you know, literally, because it's the why that what that's what matters, you know, the why. And I I lived my life in that way. And where everything, actually, somebody said of me the other day, you always have multiple purposes for anything that you do. And I still think I hold why in a very high regard, you know, why should I do this instead of that? But I think it's no longer the absolute. (laughs) The why is, is not. In recovery, we say that Three spiritual principles that are indispensable are honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And we call that how. Honesty starts with mm. H, open-mindedness starts with O, and willingness starts with W. But I've heard some Christians in recovery saying it's not how, it's the who. It's willingness, honesty, open-mindedness, and the who is, is Christ. And the who, he becomes the answer to all the questions, whether it's who, what, where, why, or how. At the end of the day, if it's if it's for him or his kingdom, then the results are going to leave me with fulfillment, even if whatever external intention that I'm trying to seek fails, like God will use it and I will end up becoming fulfilled either through a lesson or through unexpected outcomes or through a weird scenario or situation. And like you said, the why really doesn't matter at that point. because. It leads to fulfillment. 
I like that. I wrote that down because I'm going to put it somewhere that the why can become an idol. That was really cool. I've never heard that before. And it's so true that we could pedestal the why and want that answered more than the who. And, and I think that that's so important. It, we, we need to flip it. And when we flip the why and the who and we see who it is that's in control and who's running the show, then that makes the why seem so less important, seem almost obsolete in a sense. Well, the why ends up being the same answer every time, you know, for, for the glory of God. Right. You know, all things that happen, happen. Like when you read about Jesus and some of the things Jesus said is to glorify, you know, his name, his name. And that's a big, that's a pretty big why, you know, if we just focus on God, everything takes care of itself. One of the things that before, when I would go up and speak for Celebrate Recovery, I would pray, you know, and I, I wouldn't pray like the times that I really prayed to sound the best. I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) but the times that I, I really didn't just say the words, but I felt it in my spirit. Like if I've got to fall on my face up there to make a point for you, for one person, like, let me fall on my face. Like those are the times that it was like great. And the energy was like, but I really felt that in my spirit. I didn't just say those words. Mm. I really felt it. But then the other times, like I said those words, but I really wanted to sound good. I didn't quite sound as good. The glorifying his name just kind of happens when we don't focus on it. And we're just focused on doing the next right thing for the next right reason. That's a lot. You put a lot into that. And I'm looking at the thing and I'm like, we're at the end of this episode. And I want to go on for 20 more minutes on that topic in conversation. But I, I think. I probably should wrap it up. I, I like this. I like this conversation. Uh, you know, we, we have a simple question of why am I, why, why am I a Christian? And in it, we're looking at the ups and downs of our lives. But the consistency is the satisfaction that only God can give us in our life. And that when we really pursue him and seek him, that, that all happiness, joy, whatever you want to call it, whatever term you want to use for that emotion, comes from him and we have that satisfaction i uh i went to taco bell one time and i got one of those it it was with my younger cousin and we got one of those uh family pack things Mm -hmm. and we're gonna try to eat it all one by ourselves it was like a challenge and i did it and i made the mistake i should have got more tacos than i got burritos yeah and those tortillas just really and the beans from taco bell they just really filled my stomach quick but i'm watching him eat more and i'm like trying to go and i'm sitting there just stuffed out of my mind afterwards i I think i was laying on my parents floor like a beached well just like i couldn't move i didn't feel right everything about me felt gross but i try to fill myself with with this and then there have been moments in life where like i'm hungry and I eat something like for me, if I eat an apple, I'm going to be hungry in like five minutes, no matter how full I am. Like apples don't do anything for me. So then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to eat more. But then we went one time, just me and Justine to uh, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. And it, it was like a celebration thing. And it was that seven course meal. But everything came out like tiny. And I'm sitting there like, how am I going to be filled off of this? Like I'm paying a lot of money for this. And this is ridiculous. By the end of that seven-course meal, I wasn't hungry, and I wasn't overstuffed. You know? It was... Yes. I was satisfied. And it was this weird feeling because I eat for like... I eat 
to feel that stuffed feeling. And uh, I was sitting there like, this is weird. What is this? And I feel like a lot of times that's our relationship with God. We try to overfill it with crap that makes us feel bloated and useless or we're not getting enough of him. And so we're just still starving for something. But when we fill ourselves with the right amount, the Bible's there and clear. When he gave the manna to the children of Israel, it was enough for that day. It was enough for that satisfy, satisfying them for that day. And that's what all God promises us is enough to satisfy us for that day. And I think kind of going back into my point, because I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, that if we just, why am I Christian? It's the only thing that's satisfied that hole in my life. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, anything can be an idol. And um, as somebody who has a lot of obsessions and compulsions and some mental illness and some other things, and I got a lot of problems, um, <laughs> I have to be very aware that anything can be an idol to God. Um, one of the things that Janice Cole said in my shape interview is sometimes you're going to have to say no to good things in order to be able to say yes to great things. Hmm. And like I can spread myself really thin, especially when I'm in my more manic phases. And like, yes, I'll do this. And yes, I'll do that. And yes, I'll do this. And yes, I'll, without asking God, do you even want me there? Hmm. Because even in service of God, I can become overstuffed. I can say yes and like do children's ministry and celebrate recovery and the women's discipleship ministry and... um there's another one, um, the homeless ministry, like, and I honestly, like I try to involve myself in every facet of the church I possibly can because, oh my gosh, I just need to do this. And I just need to save myself from myself sometimes. But in that I be uh, there, I have, I've become overstuffed. And through this period of time, like where the whole world is slowed down, I've slowed down and I've realized how much that in doing all of these things, how wise those words that came from Janice were that, that I did need to slow down and I did need to back up and I did need to develop the ability to just be satisfied in Christ with what I'm doing. Mm. And I, I no longer want to be so busy. Like it's as if I was trying to buy my way into heaven when I knew I didn't have to. But something in me cried out for absolution. And maybe if I just become the biggest do-gooder that ever was. But even in that, I was finding myself worn thin and less satisfied than I am now that the world is, well, that it was slowed down. And now as it starts picking back up, I'm keeping those words really fresh in my head because all I want is to do my part. And if I'm saying yes to things that God does not intend for me, then I'm taking a place of somebody else who needs to be the one participating in those things i think your wife had actually justine had said something about singing in the choir and when she first came here she she saw that there was a lot of people in the music ministry and she didn't see a place for her and then she found out that there really was a place for her or it might have been um jen wilkerson that told me about that that and then like magic happened and mm -hmm. she just belongs up there and it's beautiful and i love it but sometimes we get so busy doing some things that we don't do what God really wants us to do. And it's just that simple, simple direction that gives us the satisfaction that we need. I don't have to do everything. I just have to do the one thing he wants me to do. And it's never going to be too much. It's never going to be too little. Just mm -hmm. do the one thing he wants me to do today. And I'll have that satisfaction. All right. I'm going to wrap this up, but we're okay. going to have you back on this show sometime. Because this was fun, and I think Murdoch missed out, but hey, his loss, not mine. Uh, All right. So I am Chris. 
And I'm Desi. And we are your church friends. Thanks for listening.